Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. Today we're going to be talking about victory in direction. Victory in direction as we have continued through uh, progressing through Exodus uh, and have taken time to look at pinnacle moments in the story through the lens of victory. Through that lens, it's very important, uh, through that lens of victory. Uh, we have progressed all the way to basically the second half of or the last portion of Exodus 13 uh, from 17 to 22 from 17 to 22 and is and is our um, our pattern we will look at the situation the struggle and the victory today and the first part of that is uh, the situation in Exodus 13 uh, look at verse 17 and 18 with me and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines although that was near for God said lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they returned to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. So, in the verses here, we see the situation that God finally, actually my notes, <laughs> finally, like they get out of or are released from the uh, the the children or the children of Israel are are released from. I really want everyone to be able to see. Is that better? Oh, uh, well, yes. Um, although the side profile is not my best angle. Uh, it's really kind of from like five miles away is my best angle. Um, but so the situation is they finally are released. They finally get to pack up and actually start rolling out of town. This is a part as a dad I love in vacations. Or time away. Like, all the pro like finally, we're going to get on the road. Finally. All the preparation, all the excitement, all the prayer, in this case with the nation of Israel, in, uh, within the, 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 the borders of Egypt, they finally get to leave. They finally get to, to hit the road. So we're going to spend a few minutes looking at this situation because it's important that we remember. It's important that we look backward. So the first is it's a fulfilled promise. A fulfilled promise. Promise is your first blank. Notice all the way back in chapter 3, we're going to see 3, and it might be worth turning there. The, the references are obviously on, on the screen. But in Exodus 3, we saw in verse 8, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, God says. In verse 10, Come now therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, God talking to Moses, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. In verse 17, And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. And in verse 20, And after that, he will let you go. Eventually. So it's a very fulfilled promise. I think sometimes we have the perspective, and we're going to talk a little bit about perspective today. We have the perspective of history. We're looking backward, and we see that the nation of Israel makes it out. They don't have that perspective. They are living it. So, they, so these fulfilled promises to us can seem a little um, 
a little uh, you know flyover country in this story, right? Because we're not living it. We weren't in the middle of it. We weren't, you know, uh, in bondage in the nation of Egypt like the, the children of Israel were. But God has fulfilled his promise. One of the things that I think you need to do in your life is take notice, take account of the times God has fulfilled a promise in, in your walk. There are things that he has done, I am quite certain, speaking to those who are believers, those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He has fulfilled promises in your life. Now, I'm not talking situational promises. I'm talking promises that you can point to, chap book, chapter, verse, where He has done something in your life, and He has, in accordance with His Word, done something significant. Now, we'll have some confidence that He's at work in these situations, but there is, for instance, a promise that he will give his children strength. Maybe that's the thing that he's trying to do in some of these situations is, is show his children that they have strength in the midst of a trial. Or, or you know, there's, there's a gazillion examples and as a result I can't think of any others. But, but the point is there are scriptural promises made to the believer. And I think you ought to, if you're having trouble so knowing where to study, knowing where to read, maybe do some, do, do some reading with respect to how God has fulfilled promises in your life. The Psalms are a really good place to do that. David and the other psalmists spend a lot of time looking backward at what God has done in their lives. It's a really good place to, to start. Certainly, you can spend time in the New Testament. You can see the things that, that, that God has taken Paul through. But he is a promise fulfiller. And as a result, we can take great, great confidence in that. There was also a prepared supply. Prepared supply. Also, in Exodus chapter 3, in verse 21, And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. And in verse 22, But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor, and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. So, that's how you deal with that. When you're stealing from your neighbor, you take the things and you put it on your kids, so when the authorities come, they arrest the kids. <laughs> See? Life hack. All right? Obviously joking, but what's the premise there? There's going to be so much. The blessing is going to be so much that the burden needs to be shared. The kids are going to need to carry some of this. The kids are going to... And there's another promise. God's going to take care of those kids. He's going to help them through the journey, and that will be maybe the safest bank they could have put any of their resources in on this journey because God's going to take care of them. All the way into Exodus 12 and verse 36, And the Lord gave people, the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. They took the stuff. Like, I don't know if any of the Egyptians were like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, 
that was important. That thing I lent you, I don't know. I don't know if they were just like, I remember, there wasn't a house that didn't lose somebody. Things are through the lens of national tragedy if the world has not seen really since. 40,000 or so folks in Turkey die, but that still isn't, and I guess Turkey and Syria, still doesn't really hit the depth of the loss of the nation of Egypt. I mean, I can't imagine everybody losing someone, right? Every family lost someone. The things of the world, jewels, the resources, all of a sudden don't seem quite so important. I've spent some time... Unfortunately, I've had this situation in my own life, but spent time ministering to folks who've lost loved ones unexpectedly. And you even have to remind them to eat and sleep sometimes. Because they can't process, they're literally processing their loss, and they certainly aren't concerned. I mean, that's not the week to worry about bills, and that's not the week to worry about the bank account, and those types of things. There is an amazing ministry opportunity there for, for those of you who've, who've had that opportunity to minister. But, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I say opportunity because it's tragedy, but it is an opportunity. But they spoiled the Egyptians because the Egyptians gave them. And they had ready, ready possessions, ready possessions. And thus shall ye eat it, right? We're talking about the Passover, we looked at that a few weeks ago. And thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Why? Because in verse 32, also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said and be gone and bless me also. All the way into Exodus 13:18, this passage that we're in. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Like, God is going to give you what you need for your journey. He's been preparing that before the, the moment you take your first step on that journey. He has been preparing you for it. And that's the thing that's, uh, you know, uh, the fact that you all have, a, 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 I'm pretty sure, I'm no doctor, but I'm pretty sure everybody in this room, their heart's beating. I mean, I'll give it a few seconds because if it's not, you're going to collapse. Like, I'm pretty sure the Lord still has something for you because you're still here, which means that everything, by logical extension, everything that has happened up to this point has contributed to who you are and has an opportunity to affect how you're going to deal with things come later today, come this message later today, tonight, tomorrow, etc., like the Lord is, he's not, he doesn't just work in these seasons. He has been preparing logistical and spiritual preparation for the nation of Israel to leave Egypt. He has been working in your life, right? What's the old adage? You're either going through something, you're coming out of something, or you're getting ready to go into something, right? The storm in, in life. And that is a very true sentiment. It's a very true statement because of the fact that God is taking you and he's preparing you for tomorrow. I don't know about you, but there's been times where I, I am like, that's why that happened. That's why last week was so rough or so difficult or whatever was because this. 
And I, I hope you've had something like that in your life. If not, my suspicion is it's actually happened and you just haven't re recognized it. And I'm not, I'm not dogging on you for it. But I just encourage you to try to look through that lens. Because what the Lord has taken you through has helped define who you are today and is preparing you for tomorrow's journey. We see that in not just the possessions, but in the supply and in the promise. He's been at work. Please, please trust that He has been at work. So, it brings us to something that I don't know that we've tried yet in class. This may crash and burn. We'll see. Yeah, we're going to... Yes, it may. It may very well crash and burn. But did anybody, like, notice this last phrase? And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. I don't think that's... The, you know what those little kids that are that have, like, the leash with the little chest harness, like, at the mall or whatever? That's why I feel like I always see them. I don't know. I don't even go to malls anymore. But I feel like they're at the mall where they've got the little thing and they can't get too far. Um, I don't think that's what he meant. But what we're going to do is we're going to spend a few minutes and do a Bible study practicum. What is meant by harnessed? The children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. So, what I'd like you to do is break up into small groups. It can be a group of one if that's like... <laughs> I saw something on Facebook this week. It's like, at my, at my, at my funeral... I want, <laughs> it was awesome. At my graveside after my funeral, I want all the people who've worked with, worked on me, or worked with me on school projects to be my pallbearers so they can let me down one, more, one last time. Right? So, <laughs> like, like, so, so if that's not your gig, if you're not down with relying on anyone else in small group settings, that's okay. You can sit by your whole lonesome. I won't judge you. Others won't judge you if that's your preference. But find uh, two or three people would probably be the preference and try to figure out what this word harnessed means. Okay? Go. You'll have, you'll have the time that I think it needs. Go. Break up. Figure it out. <coughs> Now, I will say, if you by chance, so this is a King James Version word, if you're looking at other versions of Scripture, which is, a f which is fair to do, if you're looking at other versions of Scripture, you may come to a fairly quick conclusion, uh, but, but don't just rely completely on that. Yeah, I don't know.
Okay, a couple more minutes, a couple more minutes. It's okay if you don't get there. A couple more minutes. Okay, I'm seeing a lot of eyes, people looking at me now, so I'll assume that means you have drawn conclusions. So, I would like you to share, so we'll do some sort of orderly fashion, raise your hand or, or try not to talk over each other. I don't want to just hear the conclusion you came to, but how you came to that conclusion, okay? Who wants to go first? Yes. Can I have a question? Oh, sure. Okay, so hold on. So they didn't, he didn't take them in the way where there was a war. Correct. They took them to the wilderness. Correct. So if it was actual physical armor that he gave them, if that's what the harnessing is, armor, I could see it be physical armor if they went through the way of the wars. Okay. Right, so that's getting at a really good point. So, uh, so, so the part of the conclusion I think you came to is that it was maybe some sort of armor that the children of Israel had. But if that's the case, God didn't take them the direction of war. We read that, right? He took them, that would have been easier, would have been the, the nearer path to go that way, but they weren't ready for war, right? So, so maybe it's not physical armor, Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing you were discussing, out in my mind, I was thinking it's kind of like the Amazing Race, where they're like got this harnesses and they're like jumping off of buildings and you know just doing some kind of crazy adventure, and the harness keeps them from uh, I guess getting hurt. Okay. So it's a harness out of. Well, I, it can't be harnessed to Egypt. Right. So it has to be harnessed to something, and so okay. the thought process is it harnessed to. <laughs> Okay, some sort of connection to God? To, okay. Okay. Reasonable? Sure, sure. Good. What I would say, I think of the word harness as keeping everybody together. So just my first thought when I read it would be that they were of one accord. Okay, kind of of one accord, one mind, moving together. Uh, okay, working together. Okay, okay. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Talked about um, kind of question whether or not they had weapons, and it kind of didn't seem like it. But then Jessica read that verse again in twelve eleven that said what they had. You know, loins girded, 
shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand is what they had. So it doesn't seem like 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 war weapons, but then we also saw that it's kind of like that along those lines, like like an art like being together, you know, harnessed okay. together. Where did you see that? Well we saw that in the strongs. Okay, so so you all pulled up Strong's and looked at the Hebrew word, yes, I assume? Okay. Groups of five. Groups of five, but it also, I think, used a specific other concept in Battle Array, yeah. maybe? Did anybody else? Was armed. armed was one option. Another definition was arrayed for battle. Arrayed for battle. Okay, so hold that thought for just a second. So not everybody knows what Strong's is. Strong's is a reference guide, a document, a book, technically. It was published originally as a book that is all of the Hebrew and Greek words that were used in the original manuscripts that then were translated into English Okay, so you can go back and you can see what the, in this case, Old Testament Hebrew word was and see how it was translated in other places in the King James Bible. So it's a, it's a reference document. So you, it's on, surprise, surprise, you can go to a website and you can look up uh, the Strong's now, right? So the Strong's of this word, the Hebrew word behind it was kind of in battle array or in groups of five or something to that effect. Christy, what were you saying? We were just talking about it didn't, doesn't mean it was a physical battle. So taking the term like prepared. So they were prepared for the battle that was ahead of them, but it wasn't necessarily a, a war battle. It was a different kind of battle. So they were prepared, they were armed, but it doesn't necessarily mean weapons. Okay, so they were armed, but not necessarily like we might conclude with a sword or spear or shield as much as they were prepared in part some of the things we saw, right? Uh, that And that the Lord had prepared them for that moment, yeah. Um, just to speak on what you were saying before you got to Christy, Deb Motor had me uh, download an app called 1828, and it also has like words from the Bible and Greek or Hebrew words, words defined. And what I got when I looked up harness, oh, I clicked off of it. Um, I got equipped with armor, furnished with the dress for drought, and defended. Okay, so I'm going to talk about your the reference you just talked. So it's eighteen twenty. It's Webster's eighteen twenty eight dictionary, which is one of the oldest dictionaries that we have, which is closest to the sixteen eleven. Again, we use the King James here at this church to teach and preach from. So by using an eighteen twenty eight, we get closer to what the translators meant when they used certain words. Okay, so in this context, the word harnessed, the definition, kind of the old school definition, was equipped with armor, furnished with, dra- with dress for, uh, for the drought, uh, for a purpose, or defended, which kind of gets to Christie's point that they were prepared, but they were also protected. Okay? Anybody else? So, yeah. Yeah, if, uh, if you just do a search for the word harness in scripture... So I use the tool Blue Letter Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the verses that comes up is First Kings twenty two thirty four, and it says, "And a certain man drew a bow 
at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Right. So there was like some kind of armor. Some sort of protection. Right. So I think you guys are hitting on all of that. So I so I put, you know, so you know so the Strongs we talked about, the Webster's eighteen twenty eight we talked about. We talked about what is mentioned about the staff, which some would argue is a form of 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 weaponry. It's maybe not the best weapon. Like you don't want to necessarily bring a stick to a sword fight. But it's at least some sort of weapon. And what isn't mentioned, the fact that up to that point, there had been no other mention in Scripture that the Lord had provided them armor, armor or an armory or, a, or she, you know, swords and shields, right? So what I did, and, and I hope you're seeing this, the not definitive conclusion, the, if you will, inspirational conclusion, is the children of Israel were structured and orderly in their movement, like an army. I think Tom talked about that. They weren't in disarray. They were in array. And the Lord was their protection. He was the one that was going to fight for them and protect them. And I would argue in this case, he does it by the Mr. Miyagi School of Self-Defense. The best defense for a punch is no be there. Right? Hey, daniel son. Right? So he harnesses them and to a degree directs them, he protects them by taking them the way of the Red Sea wilderness, which we'll see in just a few moments. Doesn't seem like the best strategic battle move. Okay? All right, good job. You guys did wonderful. Victory principle number one, the Lord will prepare you for the way. He will prepare you for the way. He will give you the supply. He will give you the experience. He will give you what you need for the direction he's taking you. And when he finds that you are unprepared to fight the Philistines, you will go a different direction. He will at least attempt to lead you that direction. Now, you may not choose to follow that leading. That's kind of between you and the Lord. That's what in the New Testament is called kicking against the pricks. It's when you know the Lord is doing this one thing, but you keep saying, no, I want this. No, I want this. And he keeps saying, no, you need to do this. Sometimes it's the easier thing. Sometimes it's the harder thing. You say, no, I want to do this. No, I want to do this. And you're kicking against the pricks that he is, the, the pricks that he would be directing you with. Okay? So victory principle number one, the Lord will prepare you for the way. So the struggle. <clears throat> so the struggle. God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, Thus peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. And verse, jumping down to verse 20, And they took their journey from Sokoth and encamped in Etham, in the edge of the wilderness. Now, going this way was inconvenient, difficult, and longer. So, Although I don't have these stars on this on this picture drawn perfectly, you can I think you have a little map there. You can color your map. You can draw on it if you want. You don't have to. So they're up in this area, up up in this neck of the woods, and he's bringing them down to this this direction. Ultimately, we know that they're going to go here. This is where Mount Horeb is, Mount Sinai. Okay. So. He doesn't, t and, well, ultimately they want to get up here in the promised land. They could have just gone the easy way. Trust me, if I was going to go the easy way, I mean, that way, I would want to stay close to the water, close to fish, close to, it's flatter. Last time I checked, sea level is sea level, the whole way across, 
What were you gonna say? What, where? This area? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that not that town necessarily. Is that what you're asking? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I, that went right over my head. I should have known. Okay. So, if you look up, if you Google the Exodus, most, most scholars will have the children of Israel coming down and going on this side, crossing here, which is actually now where the Suez Canal is. They'll actually come across this way and down here. They actually circumvent the Red Sea. Why? Because they can't believe that God would actually do that. And they didn't need to come down here and cross the Red Sea somewhere here or here or wherever. They didn't need to do that. They could have, they could have gone this way, but the Philistines were in this, this area. Can't really do that. So you're going to come down here and ultimately work your way around the Philistines. Okay, that, that strategy kind of makes sense, but, but not crossing the Red Sea. That, that doesn't make sense. Okay, so it was inconvenient, it was difficult, and it was longer. I, I have another map here. This is a, as of yesterday, a real-time highway map. You can actually, you know, you could, you could say you were here in Cairo and you wanted to drive to um, someplace over here. I don't know how to pronounce any of these places, but Wadi Musa. And it would take you, because that's what Google Maps does, it would figure out, and it's interesting because you actually can't, I don't know if you can see this here, but this highway actually stops short of the border with Israel because you can't get from here to here even today. You can't just get in a car and drive because there is a border here. To get here, to get up into this area, you actually have to come across, you have to come down here and catch a, because um, this is Israel, you have to catch a uh, um, ferry, to take you over here, and then you can drive up on the other side of Israel. It's real interesting, okay? But what I want you to see from today's highways is there's a highway, probably a pretty good view, right by the Mediterranean, I would think. And there's a highway right across here. But other than that, there's not a lot going on, even today, in the Sinai Peninsula. <clears throat> All right, and last but certainly not least, one of the things that I really like doing, and I would really encourage you to do it, I've meant to pull up the website, and I apologize. I think it's called True Size, I think. But if you Google like maps and size, you can take any other thing and lay it on another thing in two places. So you can, like, well, I'll just show you. If I was going to drive from Kansas City to Hannibal, Hannibal, Missouri, right, where... Uh, that's what, it's like, yeah, let's paint a fence and get on a, right. So if I was going to drive from here to Hannibal, and we were going to go on vacation. Hey, kids, we're going to go to Hannibal. We're going to see where Tom Sawyer painted a fence or convince somebody else to paint a fence, right? But first, I need to stop off in Arkansas, okay? That's literally the difference of driving from the Kansas City area up to Jer close to Jerusalem ballpark. This is the state of Missouri, real size, laid over the Sinai Peninsula. It's actually pretty, helps, I think, understand. But before we go from Kansas City to Hannibal or maybe somewhere at Quincy, somewhere into Illinois a little bit, we're going to go down here and we're going to just, just cross into to Arkansas real quick.
That's the kind of difference, and we're doing it on foot with like a million people. So good times. All right? So this way was, what did we say? It was inconvenient. It was difficult because southern Missouri is mountainous. <laughs> and it's longer. But it was also confounding. Confounding. In Exodus 14, <coughs> excuse me, in Exodus 14, our next chapter, at the risk of jumping too far ahead, but the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Pihahiroth between Migdal and the sea over against Baal Zephon. Now, God's very specific. I don't know where these places are, but Moses clearly knew where they were. That's like pretty specific directions. Like, I want you to stay where Kansas City, Raytown, and Independence all kind of hit in that one little area. or what? Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of that level of detail. It's clear detail. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land and the wilderness has shut them in. God's actually working the plan here. He's actually doing this on purpose. Modern scholars will look at this and say, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, maybe you can't go the way of the, the Philistines because they were, they were coming out of, out of Egypt. They were, they were slaves. They weren't trained in war. They were doing good to, to be able to, to bake cakes and, and take water with them on a journey, let alone march and fight, which is another kind of sidebar on the harness discussion. But, <laughs> you know, like they, they didn't cross the Red Sea. That's where, they just went down this way to hide, at, hide away. And that, that was a risky move. Well, God knew what they needed. He knew, he knew he needed the death of the pursuers. We, again, have the ability to look backward at history and know that Pharaoh follows them. And crossing the Red Sea was A, a an amazing miracle that has doctrinal implications, including baptism that's referenced in the New Testament. But it also has inspirational implications. God can part the Red Sea in your life. But it also has practical implications and that he opens it up just long enough to swallow the pursuers. He literally takes the nation of Israel a route where Pharaoh's like, let's go get them, boys. Let's, let's saddle up and let's go kill them because the wilderness has shut them in. They got nowhere to go. I've changed my mind. I'm over this initial hurt of my kid being lost and I want blood. And God is working this out. If they had gone the direction of the Philistines, even if they had conquered the Philistines, they would have had to have fought the Philistines. Guess who's coming up on their backside? Pharaoh and his chariots. God is working an amazing plan of deliverance. And that deliverance looks a little hard. That deliverance looks a little difficult. In Exodus 14, 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again uh, no more forever. Again, I don't want to do too much on, on that, but they had to go this direction. They had to. Because God was in the process of eliminating the challenge that was facing them. Pharaoh. 
Victory principle number two. The Lord will prepare the way for you. He was not surprised that the, oh my gosh, the Red Sea's there. What was I thinking? Last time I checked, he put it there. He was not surprised by this. So the Lord will prepare the way for you. He prepares you for the way, and then as you're on it, he prepares the way for you, and that brings us to our victory concept today. <clears throat> In Exodus 13, 20, 20, uh, 21 and 22, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them, uh, to lead the, uh, to, to lead them the way, and by, uh, by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night. And he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So there was leading going on, leading a, a, a pillar of cloud by day. And we'll see more of this. This isn't the only thing we're going to talk about. We'll see it as we get into chapter 14 again next time. Uh, a, a, day, a, a pillar of cloud by day, very clear direction, so they know which way to go. And at night, a pillar of fire, so that they either have light to camp by, or maybe they need to move, and it will give them light to know how to move. This is actually celebrated in Psalm 78 uh, and 105. That is, as Sam would say, your homework if you want to look at it. God, the, the psalmist record this beautiful thing that the Lord does with a, a, pillar of, uh, a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And then, but, but notice he does the, the, the cloud to lead direction and a fire to give light because that is what they need for their path. They need clear direction for their path. In Psalm 119, 105, it's the start of the stanza. So remember, Psalm 119 is eight verse stanzas of every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. When you get to none, the kind of the N sound, the none were, uh, letter, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. I mean, you've probably sung it, You've probably quoted it. You've probably read it on some really cool... Uh, who was the guy that was real popular a while back, the painter? Thomas Kincaid. You've probably seen Thomas Kincaid. Beautiful lighthouse with that verse at the bottom. And I'm not making fun... Like, like, like dude's a good painter. With You know, he did things with light. It was pretty, pretty cool. But, but light is important when you're traveling. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you need to get from A to B and you don't have light, it makes it a lot harder. Like you almost have to really know. Okay, I'm getting older. Surprise, surprise. I can navigate most of my house to get from the bed to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and some of you all know why. Like, because as I get older, that happens with more frequency, right? And I can go certain places, but there are certain places I need to turn a light on <laughs> because like I'm gonna step on something, step in something, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick something, I'm gonna hurt myself. I there was a buddy, I had a buddy in, in ministry, I think I've shared this story before, and he, he knew his he knew his house and so he was got up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night and he was he was kinda walking like this. Well the door had been opened just right so his hands were on <laughs> either side of the door and he's like BAM <laughs> so what a big black eye and yeah good good times so but a light changes everything 
Like the light changes everything. Proverbs 4.18, but the path of the just, look at this, the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. It's really cool when you're on the path of light, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. We might say more clear, more clear, more clear, more focused. When you're doing the thing the Lord wants you to do, and you're following him the way he wants you to follow him, like, I don't know how, like, it's like a, like, it's not the tunnel vision, because it's not like you're not circumspect, but everything becomes a lot more clear, a lot more solidified. Things that used to matter don't matter anymore. Right? Things that used to be distractions aren't distractions anymore because you become of one mind, one vision, one focus. The path of the justice is the shining light. And ultimately, they did, this was so they could go. So they could go. Matthew 18, er, 28, 18, and 19. Jesus, the light, came and spake unto them, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. I am the light. Go ye therefore. He literally is the light that lights our path, even today. So our last victory principle, and you guys did a pretty good job listening. The pace at which you listened today was, was pretty good. Because that brings us to our last uh, point, victory principle three. Trust in the one who sees it all. He knew they couldn't go the direction of the Philistines. He knew that Pharaoh was going to follow him, and he takes them into a hard place. And unfortunately, as much as we wanted to talk about how beautiful the harnessed uh, concept was that the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, leave harnessed, God is their protector, they get to the Red Sea, and what do they do? Well, Moses, did you bring us all the way out here? Did God bring us all the way out here to die? Were there not graves in Egypt? You know, that concept, right? They say it a little differently. I mean, they say it a few times. Like, could we have not died over there? At least we would have had food. At least it would have, like, like they weren't ready for this battle. And God keeps incrementally preparing them. And they're, it's, it's, it's not going to be that long. It's going to be 40 years. But it's not going to be that long before they're walking around the city and the walls fall down. Like, they are, the Lord is preparing them. The Lord is honing them. The Lord is growing them. I've got a few more verses. These are not listed on your page. If you want to get the references down, you can. Uh, a man's heart divides it this way, but the Lord directeth his steps. The nation of Israel might have thought, hey, let's go this direction, but you've got to trust the Lord to direct your steps. I heard a story, and I won't go into a lot of detail just for sake of time. Young man was looking to buy a car. Thought that he was supposed to buy this specific car. He and his mom go pick up the car, and like something like literally they start it, and something like blows up on the car. Like not like you know, but like the gasket pops or something. It's like whoa. Guess I'm not buying that car. Like the Lord took care of him. The Lord directed his steps. That's good stuff. I'm quite certain. I get frustrated when the Lord redirects my steps in traffic. Red light. You know? Why are these people not going and looking on their phone? Right? But maybe, just maybe, the Lord is directing my steps. Right? Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and, and he delighteth in his way. Like, I need to delight in that. And then, notice this. This is really cool. 
in Psalm 107, I referenced Psalm 105 earlier, but Psalm 107, the psalmist says, and he led them forth, referencing this, God leading the nation of Israel, and he led them forth the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. God, he, they now see that the Lord took care of the nation of Israel. It's a lot harder when you're in it. I get it. It's a lot harder when you're in it. But if you can just take a step back and say, the Lord's at work. The Lord's doing something here. And if he's doing something here, I can trust him. I can trust that, man, I'm up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's following me. But there, this must have been for a purpose. This must have been for a reason. Matthew Henry is a, a, a commentator. He says, There were two ways from Egypt to Canaan. One was a shortcut from North Egypt to South of Canaan, perhaps four or five days' journey. Honestly, if that highway went through, it's like a six-hour drive, five, six-hour drive. It's not too bad right along the ocean or Mediterranean. Um, perhaps four or five days' journey. The other was a much further about through the wilderness, and that was the way in which God chose to lead his people. There was one reason why God did not lead that there was one reason why God did not lead them in the nearest way, and that would have been, of course, the Philistines. But there were many reasons why God led them the other way. The Egyptians were to be drowned in the Red Sea. The Israelites were to be humbled and proved in the wilderness. God had given to Moses a sign that they were gonna he was gonna serve God with the children of Israel on that mountain in South Sinai Peninsula. They had again and again told Pharaoh that they must go three days' journey into the wilderness to do sacrifice. The Lord did an amazing work in directing his people, directing them in something that was harder, but was better. I don't know what you're going through that might be harder, but please believe me, if the Lord's working in your life and you're allowing him to do it, it is for your good. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for loving us. We thank you for, the I think, the clarity of your word that you were at work in a very interesting circumstance, even before the, uh, a single drop of the Red Sea was moved. You were setting this up. You were preparing this amazing miracle to happen. You were preparing an amazing salvation. And Lord, I don't know what, I don't know everybody in here, their spiritual state. I certainly have to believe that someone in here is not saved, that someone in here maybe isn't in the right position with you in their relationship. Uh, Lord, I do believe that you've brought them here today to hear this message, that, that the hardness, the struggles that they're going through are all pointing to your salvation. And so, Lord, we trust in that. We ask that you continue to do the work. Use your Holy Spirit to convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment so that we can, we can all understand our need to have a close, intimate relationship with you, whether it's through salvation or if we're already saved through a growing, uh, intimate walk with you. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for the opportunity to uh, just get into your word today as, as a class, uh, to just kind of swim around in it a little bit and to just rejoice in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great rest of your day.